Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Faith in the Zone, a show about sports and faith and how the two come together in lives being touched. Right now, discover how people in sports walk in faith with hosts Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered Welcome to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern, flying solo again this week, hoping that uh, Pastor Ken Keltner will be back in studio with me next week. My special guest, he uh Major League Baseball player, he was a catcher for a long time, Major Leagues, in fact, 11 years, played for a number of teams, including the Kansas City Royals, Toronto Blue Jays, Atlanta Braves, Cleveland Indians. He is Sal Fasano. Hey Sal, thank you so much for uh, for your time today. How you been? No, I'm doing good, Mike. Can't complain at all. Hey Sal, growing up, uh, you grew up down in the Chicago area, correct? Yes, sir. Chicago boy, born and bred. Yeah. I, hopefully, not everybody's turned the station now after hearing. Not only is he a Chicago boy, he's a Bears fan, and they uh, that's all right. We'll uh, we'll continue to talk to Sal. Hey Sal, growing up uh, down in, in in the Illinois area, did you uh, did you know at an early age that uh, baseball was something that you wanted to do? Yeah, actually, I, I knew I was going to do it from a young age. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. When I was nine, we moved to a new house and I needed to make some friends. And my mom said, "Hey, why don't you try baseball?" So, in the very first game I ever played, I hit a homer over the fence, and I knew from that day on I was going to do it the rest of my life. Man, how do you know how old you were at that point? Yeah, nine. Nine years old. Hit one over the fence. What, was uh, catching something that you started early as well? Yeah, catching. You know, when you're a big kid, I mean, what do they normally do with the big kids? Get behind the plate. Yep. So I uh, I caught a lot when I was young, and I had a guy who was a friend, uh, my friend's dad, watched me catch one day, and he goes, wow, you can really catch. You want to learn? and like sure that'd be great his name was dennis flynn and for really the next six or seven years during the summer i went over to his house every day and we worked on catching and hitting and baseball in general what what was dennis flynn what was his background was he just a baseball fan dennis well he was a big baseball fan but he played it and i think he played in college but uh i think when he was in the military he ended up barnstorming against negro league players so he got a chance to play against some of the greatest of all time. I mean, the Satchel Pages, the Josh Gibsons. So he uh, he had a really good background, and it, he taught me old school, and, you know, it paid off. I still teach the kids today the same stuff I was taught when I was 10 years old. Man, that's awesome. Hey, did um, you're doing a little uh, research for, for the show um, today. You Your parents were um, immigrants from, from Italy, is that correct? Uh, yes, sir. They were they both uh, immigrated from Italy in a from a state called Calabria. Uh, it's funny because they're from the same 
basic city and they met here in Chicago. Really? But that was the first one in my family born in America. So, man. So when when you'd have family reunions as as a kid, would would uh, you guys speak English, Italian? What what were you speaking back then? Well, back then it was just Italian, and then uh, we ended up learning how to speak English. And you know, my dad was adamant about you know you're in the country, you have to learn how to speak English. So he wanted me to to back away the Italian and start to speak more English, but. You know, I still understand just about everything. Uh, I can speak in my dialect, which isn't truly pure Italian, but most people from other countries have different dialects. Sure. But, yeah. you know, it's uh, it's something that I've always been able to keep. Hey, so you're, uh, your parents still with us? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, actually, I'm pretty fortunate. My grandparents on my dad's side just passed away last year, and they were 93 years old, 92 and 93, so... And I still have my other set of grandparents. So, wow. Yeah, yeah hey, I'm pretty, really fortunate. Did uh, did your mom and dad come watch you play baseball in in, uh, in grade school and high school? <laughs> yeah, they always did. I bet. Yeah, I was lucky, you know, my parents really supported me. And, you know, my dad was trying, you know, he was working two or three jobs at a time, but he would still find a way to get to get to the games. And, you know, when I was in high school, my mom, she didn't miss a game. So... She would sit there and crochet and watch me play. That's what she did. Did, did she really? Did your dad get on some umpires or any of that? You know, no, not at all. My dad, um, my dad never said a word during the game. He would really walk, and I think he was nervous too. He would probably pace more than he did anything. But he's not like you know when you go to a little league game and you hear a dad screaming. My dad, as he heard somebody scream, he would walk to the other side of the field. I'm kind of the same way. I can't, I really can't stand for any of that. Yeah, I went uh, when when I either coached my son. I've been coaching basketball. This is my thirty sixth year, and wow. uh, I coached him a little bit of AAU stuff, and then at the high school level. But he would play little league or he'd play soccer. And I had uh, Sal. I had a woman on one of the the youth soccer teams that he played on. I would drop him off because they'd have to get there a half hour ahead of time. And I would I would go over to the store, get a newspaper and a cup of coffee or whatever, and wait till about a minute before the game started, and I would identify what's where the the, the parents were, and I'd go to the other end of the field, and I'd sit and I'd read my newspaper and I'd you know yell out to him a little bit or I'd yell at the line judge a little bit. Come on, you know, line judge was like fifteen years old, and I'd be right. like, hey, you missed that one. He the kid would laugh and. And about midway through the season, I had a, a mom come down to me, and she she said, "Hey, I just got to tell you, you're the most unsociable guy that you know we've ever had on this team." And I said, "You don't know me at all. I'm really, I, I I'm a social butterfly." I said, "I just, you know what? I don't like yelling at kids. I don't like yelling at officials. I just want to sit down here, you know, enjoy watching my son play a little soccer, get caught up in the newspaper, and." And my wife would sit with the parents. I just, uh, be, I think being a coach, Sal, for me, I, I just, I, I have a very short fuse when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, and I, I would tend to agree. I know now that I've been coaching for you know, nine years now and playing for so long, I've never met a professional athlete, an amateur athlete, or any athlete that failed on purpose. Ever. So if it's an umpire, whether it's a player, everybody wants to get the call right. Everybody wants to get the play right. And so you're basically yelling at someone who didn't want to fail. All it does is make it worse. So I don't, I mean, I just don't agree. And you know, it's just one of those things. I wish more parents would be that way because it'd be a lot more fun to go watch Little League games. 
Yeah, do, do you uh, do you guys have kids? Yes, I have three three boys. Three boys. How old are they? Uh, 16, 12, and 10. Man, that's I have three grandsons. So they live right across the street from me. And it's oh, uh it, yeah, it's like the movie or the the TV show Everybody Loves Raymond. You know, I'm yeah. the, I'm the old guy watching sports all the time. That uh right. in fact, my my grandson just turned 8. He was at uh, at our house couple weeks ago and and i said uh wait one of the one of the big grocery stores here in the milwaukee market is pick and save and i oh, said yeah. i said keegan do you see the word pick and save anywhere on the outside of my house and he said no papa but i love this is my favorite grocery store i get free <laughs> free food and i get to get to watch cartoons i said go home man just go home you can't stay here he laughed he said oh papa you're funny we were talking to sal fazano he is uh Former catcher in Major League Baseball, he's uh, in Major League for 11 years, and I counted, played for nine teams. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, and I played for, I always say 15 organizations, but I played for three organizations twice overall. So in the 18 years professionally I played, I basically saw just about everything you could see. Hey, if if you could go back, and, and I promise we're going to get into your testimony, we'll talk um, more about what Faith in the Zone is all about, uh, either at the end of this segment or, or next segment. But, Sal, if you could put on one uniform and, and play one more game with the organizations that you played for, who would you go and play that one game for? Well, I, you know, the best probably team I've ever played on, and I was played on some good ones, I was really lucky. But in 1999, I played for the Oakland A's, and I mean, it was just a, a super talented team, and everybody really got along. I, I try to explain it like I could call anybody from the team and to go out to lunch, and everybody would say yes. I mean, it was just that close-knit, and I mean, we kind of missed it. You know, it was a small market team. Everybody ended up uh, splitting up and going their different ways, but man, that was a ball. That was one of the best teams, best teammates, best organization i mean those guys took really good care of us who man who managed that team art howell was the manager so so when you watch the the uh the the movie moneyball you know i still haven't oh i, I can't i re- can't do it really so he said i lived it so i didn't have to look at it so was that but, was that the year no it was we were there a couple of years before that okay so, boy you know it's it's yeah. an it's a pretty interesting Movie, it's kind of one of the go-tos with my wife Terry and I. If there's nothing on, we've taped it and we'll go back and and watch it. And it's uh, it's a pretty interesting interesting movie for sure. You know that I I was I'm surprised by that answer when when you look at some of the teams with the Rockies and and the Kansas City Royals, Atlanta Braves and Indians that that you said the Oakland A's. I I, I like that. I'm again I'm surprised by that answer, but I I like it. Who are some of the guys that were on that team? Oh, the the team itself. Uh, Ramon Hernandez was the other catcher. Jason Giambi was our first baseman. Randy Velarde was our second baseman. Miguel Tejada was the shortstop. Eric Chavez played third. Ben Grieve and Ryan Christensen played left. Terrence Long played center. Matt Stairs played right. John Jaha was our DH. Um, John uh, Jaha was ex Milwaukee Brewer. I, uh, yeah. He came through the Milwaukee organization. You know, it's interesting when you said how well you guys got along. Um, as, as a basketball coach, if the team doesn't do really well and we don't win a ton of games, but the kids get along and the coaching staff and, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt as much. 
And if we're really good and the guys don't like each other and people are looking each other off on the floor and the coaching staff doesn't get along, that's not that doesn't work very well either for me. But but like you said, when when everybody gets along and no matter who you would call to go out and have lunch, they would go. I, th- those for me are the years I look back as a coach and say, man, those were the best years. Well, sure. I agree 100%. You know, being in development for the last eight years, I mean, there's something to not just teaching the mechanic part, but teaching the social side. I mean, one thing with baseball is the social game. And if you don't get along with your guys that you're going to go to war with for 180 days a year, then you're going to have some issues. And it's important that guys have each other's back and care about one another and truly love one another. I, I agree with that. Hey, we, we've had on, uh, through UPI, and I want to thank Tom Roy for, for passing along your name and number um, to me, and, and uh, again, your willingness to come on. In baseball, you know, the baseball chapel, I think Vince Noss does as good a job as anybody in, in uh, professional sports to, to be able to have uh, baseball chapel. When you played um, be, being a, 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 a Christian that would be willing to get on the mountaintop a little bit and talk about, you know, where they were with their faith. Was that something that, that some of the teams you played with, um, were happy about and supported or were they more, Hey, let's keep that quiet. Well, you know, it's a really good question. I I've seen the transition over the years. I know when I first came up with Kansas city, we were very open, but it was still, considered you're kind of an outcast or are you in a cult what are you doing i mean baseball is the god here and you know i remember having chapels and i'm sure vince will tell you the same thing i mean and all the clubhouse or all the chaplains that i've had over the years i mean we used to have chapel in a closet where nobody could really hear us or see us you know and then uh over the years it's really progressed and you know i go back to that oakland team again in 99 i remember you know we really, the one of the first chapels we had, we only had three people. And then by the end of the year, we had the whole team there. And then Kansas City is really where it all started. I mean, we give the example of, you know, we were kind of all like apostles. We were all together. We all came up together in Kansas City. We were good friends, good teammates, young in the faith. And then one day we all matured, and the Lord said, everybody's going to go different direction. So we all split up. And I think it was just part of the thing where we have to share our faith with the world and in the baseball world for that matter. So it was pretty, it was pretty amazing, you know, where God just put us and the stuff that we were able to be a part of because of it. Boy, that's awesome. We're going to get to a break. Other side of the break, we're going to uh, talk a little bit more, Sal, about, um, you know, your faith and ask for your testimony. And I want to talk to you about Keith Lockhart, who is, uh, um, the player who I think who had introduced you um, a little bit to, to the Bible and to your faith when you were with Kansas City. And we'll get to that on the other side of the break. We are joined uh, for the entire hour today. He is Sal Fasano, 11 years at the major leagues, and uh, he was a catcher. How are the knees holding up, by the way? Not too bad. No? <laughs> what can you do? <laughs> hey, I, I have a brother in Florida. He lives down in uh, Tarpon Springs. He is... Uh, 62 or 63 years old, playing in, in 35 and over, 45 and over, and 55 and over. And he plays leagues down oh. there, and he's a catcher. So I said, hey, can you still throw guys out? He was like, yeah. 
They're just not as fast as they used to be. I can one hop and get some of these boys. But his knees are hanging in there, and he'll get asked. They'll, teams will fly him out to a tournament in Arizona or, you know, in Atlanta and say, hey, can you come down and catch Can you catch nine innings? He's like, yeah, I can. No, no worries there. So he's still hanging in there. He loves putting putting on the gear and getting behind the plate. Well, that's a special breed right there. I always say catchers are born, they're not made. Yeah, so, you know what? And he, he he is a different breed, I got to tell you. Hey, let's get to a break. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio, 105.7 FM, The Fan. More now of Faith in the Zone, discovering people of sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Brookside Baptist Church. Back with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered me. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern again, flying solo this week. Pastor Ken Keltner uh, will hopefully be back in studio with me next week. My special guest, Sal Fasano, he grew up uh, right over the border in Illinois. Where'd you go to high school, by the way, Sal? I went to uh, Hoffman Estates High School. So when, 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 you, when you came to the county stadium, I would, I would think, like you said, uh, during the break, it was kind of a home game for you. Yeah, it was nice. I mean, it was just a, it was probably an easier ticket for most of my family to get up there. But it's a short trek, you know, and some people like going up to Milwaukee better than going to downtown Chicago. So it was uh, it was nice for me. It was I always had people there to support me, and that was fun back then. Jeez, boy! And there was you know back at County Stadium, there were some years that you could walk up and and uh, you know buy a buy a bleacher ticket and almost get down to the front row if you wanted to. The crowds for some of those years pretty sparse. But man, not anymore. Not at Miller Park. It's a it's a tough ticket, especially when the Brewers are are playing well. Hey, let's talk a little bit about uh, about your faith and and where it began for you. I know again doing some research, it talked a little bit about uh, your days with the Kansas City Royals. The one line that uh, you and I have a lot in common is when you do, when it says that your faith. Um, that you credit your faith with uh, curtailing some of your desire to drink. Stopped drinking a while ago as well, and uh, there's no doubt in my mind, Sal, that uh, it was because I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior when that when that part of my life um, stopped. When I stopped heading to the the tavern, I'm 100 percent Irish, Sal. So like you, you know, you Italian boys, you guys can hang out in a bar for a little while, as us Irish boys can as well. For sure, for sure. Yeah, it was uh it was a crazy time, you know, when you first get to the big leagues and you're trying to be friends with everybody and you know, I I kind of explained like in the old days there was really nothing open after a game, so what was open bars. And so what do you end up doing? You end up drinking and hanging out with your teammates and you start partying. Next thing you know, I mean, I'm drinking a case of beer a night, you know. Um when I got to the big leagues, it it really didn't slow down and I ended up at 23 having a bleeding ulcer. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was crazy. You know, and, you know, we talked a little bit about Keith. Well, Keith was a pinch hitter on our team, maybe one of the best fastball hitters I think I'd ever seen. And Keith was, you know, in a room, I always say in a room full of millionaires, he's the one that stuck out, and he wasn't a millionaire. I mean, he was just a good role player. And he invited me over to the house a few times, hung out with him and Lisa, and the babies were just really babies at the time. And, you know, 
I remember just doing it a few times and telling my girlfriend, my wife now, but, you know, I kind of want what Keith has. Well, the off-season happens. I have to go back to the doctor in Kansas City to check out my ulcer. Keith, you know, says, hey, you can stay over here, do whatever. We can go hit while you're going to see the doctor. So I'm hanging out with Keith, and we're hitting at, you know, Kevin Seitzer and Mike McFarland had a hitting facility there. And in the batting cage, I go, Keith, man, I think it's time. And he's like, really? So, you know, we were all sitting there in the batting cage, and I prayed to receive Christ right there. And, you know, it was funny. He went to go see the doctor, and he said the ulcer is gone. And, I don't, you know, some people believe in miracles, some people don't. But I know a miracle happened to me, and that was really the first step in the changing of my faith. And, you know, they took the alcoholism out. I mean, he, he dropped that miracle on me, which was, you know, only God can do something like that in his grace. Amen. Uh, but really just started to change my life a little bit. And and really, this is what started the journey. You know, the 15 different organizations over 18 years, you know, I mean, it was nuts. But that's God always put me where he needed, needed me. So Boy, I tried I- to be you know, I, I just, uh, and one day I'm going to get a chance to thank Keith Lockhart, I think. And, and how awesome is that? Would you, can I ask you, Sal, when you, when you were in the locker room with him and, and, and at his house, and did, did was he a guy that talked uh, really openly about his faith and what he had going on with his life? Um, you know, I wouldn't say it was anything that he said. I think it was more his actions, you know one of the greatest premises I ever learned in Christianity was stop trying to do and just be. So just him being who he was, I mean, he exuded his faith. You know, he was caring. He was considered. He was always prepared. He did everything to the best of his ability. I was like, man, what a perfect example for a guy who is a Christian. Um, He wasn't out there, you know, thumping guys over the head with his Bible. But if somebody needed help, he was always there. He was accountable, and he was always available. Um, those are two qualities that, you know, kind of like you try to live your life by. I mean, what's better than that? Yeah. I mean, I, I wish we had all the answers all the time, but sometimes just being there to lend an ear is the greatest thing we can give. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And and being consistent, you know, I, I remember the days, you know, my wife had, uh, we have two kids, and and they were little at the time, and, and, and she was going to a Baptist church on the east side of Milwaukee, and she would get these kids all, you know, be the dead of winter, and she'd warm up her car, and she'd get her kid, our kids all dressed up and get them in the car. And I would say, hey, don't don't drink the Kool-Aid at that cult that you're going to. And she'd leave, and I'd open up a Miller Lite and call my bookie and get some, some action on a couple of these games. And and uh, I got to tell you, it I, I got tired Sal, that's that for me. I got I got tired of of trying to think what did I say to this guy or what did I say to my wife and and uh it it really was I I I went into that church at Eastside Baptist Church after my wife said, Hey, you, you need to figure this thing out. This is getting out of control. I, I tell people that on Faith and Zone sometimes the, the the worst thing some of our guests have ever done in their life is steal a candy bar. And then we have guys like Daryl Strawberry, uh, Pastor Daryl Strawberry, who's been on the show, and and myself, who went way the other direction. And if the Lord's right. willing to accept us, guys like us, Sal, uh, you know what? All you have to do is ask. Just ask for that free gift and and uh, open your Bible and 
if you're questioning, when you're listening to this show, and, and I've said this before, I'm I'm here at Intercom Milwaukee. You can get a hold of me anytime. I'll 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 have lunch with you. And yeah, I used to be embarrassed by my story, Sal. I'd be really embarrassed. Like I'm not a good enough Christian. Look at this guy. The worst thing he ever did was steal a candy bar. But what the Lord has shown me is that because of all the things that I've done, the nonsense that I went through, you know what? There's some other guys that might be doing the stuff that I was doing that I can say, hey, let me tell you the path that I took to save my marriage, to to you know to start walking worthy. And so I, I'm not embarrassed by it anymore. No, and you, <laughs> excuse me, we shouldn't be. I mean, I think there's a reason why there's a million different ways to be saved because there's still a million people out there that aren't. So I just know that my ministry right now has taken me to, you know, the professional baseball. Um, I always said I'd, I have a better ministry in a prison than I do in a church. But I think the, the people that we hang out with, I mean, we used to think it identifies us of who we are. But now those people that we hang out with, you think about, okay, how is God going to use me in their life? And I think being a believer, we still sin. I think you're, you're, you know, your listeners kind of understand that. Sure. The worst part about it now is that we know we're hypocrites sometimes because we know we're sinning, but we understand the repentance. We understand that the price that, that God paid for us, that we could sin and still be okay. I wish we could live a perfect life, but it's almost impossible. And in sports, it's, gosh, it's hard. It's just like in the secular world. It's hard. I mean, you have people pulling you from every direction. You're, you know, you always want to have your voice heard, and then sometimes it's hard to understand. God wants us to be humble. He wants us to be simple. And I think at the end of it, when I think about the salvation aspect of it, when Christ asked his apostles to come with him, what did he say? He said, follow me. He didn't say, follow me and read the Bible for 15 hours a day, or make sure you're, you know, you're just in constant prayer, and you just follow him the best you can. And little by little, you get better and better. Yeah, I agree. We are talking to Sal Fizzano, former catcher in the major leagues, uh, played with a number of teams, 18 years. Sal, uh, by the way, what are you doing nowadays? Are you managing? Or are you helping? What? Where Where are you at? Well, I actually just got a job recently. Uh, I'm going to be the catching coach for the Atlanta Braves in the big leagues, um, helping with their pitching, helping with the analytics, and all the fun stuff. And I'm a schedule maker. I'm an organized guy. So I'm going to try to help Walt. Uh, Walt Weiss is our bench sure. coach. And try to help him with some of the day-to-day activities to make Brian Snickers' job as easy as we can make it. Man, congratulations. Oh, thanks. You know, they, they say you can kind of go home. Atlanta's a, uh, you played for the Braves. That's that's awesome. I've got a brother that, that lives in Atlanta, and and uh, he's a big Braves guy. So he grew up in Milwaukee and and uh, certainly following the Braves is, is easy for him. Hey, one of the articles that that, uh, that Jeff Perlman, who who really adores you, by the way, he uh, thinks that he thinks the world of you. And I read an article that you know he said, "Look, what what really ticks me off is guys that have integrity like Salfazano are disposable." But Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, still work in Major League um, as Major League hitting coaches. And you're talking to um, you know two guys in 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 Jeff Perlman's eyes who disgraced the game, um, you know who uh, who looked at the legacies and records of Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, and and Rick Majerus and said, "Heck with it, I I know I know, but yawn, that's old news." And so he said, "Look, I I love a guy like Salvazano who I can't say anything bad about." 
And I, I like that, Sal. Here's, you know, I'm looking at a picture, and you look like a tough guy, man. You know, you got the big mustache going, and and you're behind the plate. But here's a, a writer that says, like, nobody, you know, is nicer in, in baseball than this guy. In fact, on uh, on the one page that, that that I grabbed, and it has everything, you know, Wikipedia. Jeff Perlman said, when I think of Sal Fasano, however, I, I think of greatness. Not of Willie Mays or Ted Williams' greatness, but an equally ex, uh, excellent human being um, were class and decency the most valued standards of a career. He'd be the easiest Hall of Fame inductee of all time. So you got to, you know, I, I love reading that stuff, especially in today's day and age. You know, you, we, to be able to find guys and to be able to to, to read about him and hear about him, you, you pick up the newspaper, turn on, you know, ESPN, you hear a lot about, you know, this guy got arrested last night or this guy did this. But to be able to hear about Sal Fasano, you know, I think we need to hear more about guys like you. Well, I wish I wish they would. I mean, I know hundreds of players that I played with that were good, upstanding people, you know, and unfortunately being a good guy, being a humble guy, doesn't sell papers, doesn't sell ads. So, you know, of course ESPN would always go to the bigger story. They love guys like Bryce Harper. Right. Uh, they love the guys that were the big stories. And in my day, in the middle of the steroid era, I mean, there were stories and humans that were bigger than life itself. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the only difference between me and most people is I threw the ball a little bit harder and hit it a little farther. You know, and that's kind of how I always looked at it. I always wanted my fan base to be the regular guy. If I walked to get my oil change, those are the people that I want to know. A carpenter, union guy, guys busting his hump, you know, the old school, like in politics, they call them moderates. Those were my yep. people, man. Just hard workers. That's what I am. I'm a blue collar guy and always tried to be. Man, if, well, you, you know what? You, sh- you should have spent your career here in Milwaukee then because they love guys <laughs> like you, Sal. This, you know yeah. what? That's those are our kind of guys. Gorman Thomas, you know, guys oh, like wow. that run into the wall. Rob Deere, who played uh, outfield for a while here in Milwaukee, those kind of guys are the guys that this community just uh, falls in love with. Pete Vukovic, another guy, you know, he, yeah. uh, he. I don't know if he, he was. He, I think he got in a little bit of trouble there for a minute, but he uh, he owned a bar down on the south side of Milwaukee that this couple of those boys hang, hung out with. Uh, quite a quite a bit, I think, in that in that bar on the south side. We're going to get to a quick break. Other side of the break, got uh, more questions for Sal Fasano. Again, eleven years in major leagues as a catcher, and uh, I want to thank again Tom Roy from UPI uh, for setting uh, setting this up and introducing me to Sal. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio one hundred five seven FM, The Fan. Back to Faith in the Zone. A journey on how people in sports walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Here's host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered me. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern flying solo this week. Special guest, Sal Fasano, former catcher in the major leagues uh, for 11 years, played with a number of teams. Hey, Sal, um, we've had, again, a number of uh, former professional athletes on, and and I like to ask if if you can be a strong Christian and still be competitive and want to win. We have that discussion, 
and I've had it uh, with parents over the years. And I think, uh, for me personally, and I don't want to answer for you, but I think you are showing the best side of being a Christian when you play hard and you're competitive and you're trying to win the game. There's no doubt in my mind. I think if, you know, I know they've changed some rules now, but in baseball, if Jesus Christ was on first base and I hit a ground ball to short, Christ would take the guy out, clean at shortstop, still make contact, do it the right way, but he's still going to try to take him out. You know, that's the, or when I was catching and he was on third base and he's a winning run, I expect a collision at home plate. He's not just going to lay up and say, okay, please tag me. I'm a nice, soft Christian. That's right. not what it's about. You know, Christianity is more of being a soldier for God than it is for being just a doormat for people to walk on. And so we don't honor God when we're a little bit, oh, let's just let him win. That's not the way it is. We honor God when we play to the best of our ability. We play hard. We play as though he's playing right next to us. I Man, I totally agree with that. We've had discussions, uh, both you know, people that have agreed with me on that and people that have totally disagreed with me. And said no, absolutely not, and and they'll go into the the King James version and 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 you know pull scripture and say, look, this is what this is what I'm backing my stuff up with, and I say, look, I I just think if the Lord's given us the ability, and we, and we've asked kids to work really hard to be successful on the basketball court, and then at the end of the game, we may ask the other team to come pray with us, if they beat us by 45 on the basketball court. You know, and and we lay down, and we don't we don't go through picks, and we don't box out hard, and we don't do all the things that that I think we need to do. What, what are we saying to these guys? Right. I th- I think if we beat a good team by ten, and we do it correctly, we play hard, and we play together as a team, and then we go out to the center of the the court and say, "Hey, do you guys want to pray with us after the game?" I think we're going to get a lot more guys to come with us at that point than if we lay down and let them beat us by forty and. And don't put up much of a fight. I, I just think that that's the, that's the wrong message. Hey, your kids, uh, uh, 16, 12, and 10, uh, baseball players? I only have one baseball player. Uh, my oldest one plays volleyball, but he's really good in school. He's an honor student. Perfect. Um, makes us really proud. Uh, my middle one is the baseball guy. He's he's built like me. He's, uh, He's 12 years old, and he's already 5'11", like 185. He's a beast. Actually. Wow. Gonna be I am. Uh, my youngest one is my little miracle. He's been through the most. Uh, he's actually really a he's a borderline genius, but he's sitting here right next to me, and i got to tell him he's got to work hard in school, and he would be a genius. But he's uh, he's got a lot of special skills, too, and it's, it's fun to watch them all grow. They're all different. You know, They really are. They're completely different. Hey, Sal, in, in doing the research for the show, I didn't know if, if we were going to be able to talk about, I don't know if you, you, you would allow me to talk about that time in your life, but when you said your 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 youngest is your miracle baby, that truly is um, a fact. Yep. You know, I read yep. I read a lot about that, and he it truly is a miracle baby that, that he is, uh, he's doing, he's doing good, huh? Oh, he's doing unbelievable. You know, for the listeners who probably don't know, he was born with what's called a hypoplastic left heart syndrome. He was born without a left side of his heart. Basically, it was dormant and never never grew with his body. So at five days old, he had to have his first open heart surgery. At three months, he had to have a second open heart surgery. And then at two years, he had to have his third open heart surgery. So 
he's already been through the ringer. And uh, if you looked at him right now and I sent you a picture or you could see him, you would never be able to tell. So God's uh, God was in his ultimate goodness really treated us very well, and that's why he is. He's a miracle. He's been through everything. And at the time, this was an experimental surgery with a mortality rate of probably 20 25%. And, you know, they've since gotten even better at the surgery. But, you know, when people... Scary, but for you know young people or young families, when you're having a baby and you hear about the blue baby syndrome, yes, that's basically what he had. Um, where if it goes misdiagnosed or undiagnosed, they just can't breathe because they can't oxygenate blood, so they end up passing away. Wow, Santo yeah, so, Santo is his name, correct? Yeah, Santo Santo, man, that's yeah. that's uh. That's awesome. Will will if he wanted to play sports, is is he able to do that, or is that something that is not recommended? Um, he can play certain sports. We just have to be careful with any immediate impact into his chest. Could he play football? No, absolutely not. Yeah, you know, you worry about baseball because you can feel the ground ball and take it off your chest. Um, you know, there's just certain things. I think eventually we're going to have to start playing golf. What do you think, Santo? You want to play golf? He said, yeah. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> hey, well, well, man, golf is perfect. Tell him if when he learns how to play to come to Milwaukee and teach me. Because everything <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, everything I hit goes to the right. And uh, I, 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 we played, I used to do these celebrity golf tournaments. We used to put them on before I started working at the radio station years ago. And some of the, some of the guys that would come to Lake Geneva, to Grand Geneva, um, were like Gary Carter and Johnny Bench and, Boy, these catchers, these baseball guys can hit the ball a long way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they really can. I can, too, but I think mine go more left than they go right. Oh, do they? <laughs> you know, if we could figure out how to get your going to the left and mine going to the right and, and put those down the middle. We When we were in, at Lake Geneva one time, there, you remember Andy Van Slyke? Oh, of course. Yeah. So these guys that were playing uh, with, with Andy as their celebrity – uh, the, the day before the tournament, the guy pulled me aside and said, look, I've never seen anybody hit the ball like this. He can't put a lick. But, boy, he <laughs> hits the ball about two miles. And I was a big Pittsburgh uh, Pirates fan, so I went up and introduced myself as one of the guys that was was running this thing. And and I said, uh, he, the guy over here said, you hit the ball a little bit. He said, yeah, a little bit. Well, they were, they were, Sal, they were on a par four 345 yard kind of dog leg to the left and he got up and he blasted one over the trees and I lost it and he said pick him up boys we're dancing I said you're not, I said come on man you're not dancing he said yeah we are and I said are you kidding he goes no we're pick him up let's go he said you don't believe me come with us so I drove up there and sure enough middle of the green now again he can't he couldn't put a lick but boy, oh boy, did he he hit the ball a mile. It was really fun. Some of the Gary Carter was, and 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 certainly he's he's uh, uh, God rest his soul. He passed away uh, not that long ago. I always thought that he would not be one of the nicer guys if I ever met him. He was about as nice a guy as you're, you're ever going to meet. Yeah, well, perception of quality. I mean, a lot of those guys just because they were some of the greatest players of all time, like Gary's a Hall of Famer. Yep. I haven't heard too many people say a cross word about him. Ever. Um, yeah. yeah. Johnny Bench, on the other hand, Sal, not a, not, he was not the nicest of all guys. 
he was he was a little him and Jim McMahon a little difficult for for me to deal with. Uh, the other guy that that I had some fun with was Mike Schmidt. He uh, he was a good guy. To, I'd have to drive him and his wife. I think we ran three of these tournaments at Grand Geneva uh, for three years in a row, and I would drive him and his wife really early in the morning, the Sunday of Labor Day weekend, back to the airport in Milwaukee, like at five a.m. And there was uh, a, going to the airport, and his wife was an ex-teacher. And she was just really interesting and had a lot of fun talking to her. And we were talking in the front seat about outcome-based education. And Mike was in the back seat, and he kept going, uh-uh. And he had his glasses. He was trying to trying to sleep. And we kept talking, and he went, uh-uh. And his wife said, hey, to me, she said, Mac, hold on a second. She turned around, and she goes, you be quiet back there. She just started yelling at him. And she said, I got to listen to your stories every weekend. Here's a guy that wants to talk about something I want to talk about. And you're going to, uh-huh, <laughs> knock it off. And I looked into her every mirror, and he just put his hands up and shrugged his shoulders. And I thought, man, I just witnessed the best third baseman to ever play the game get yelled at from his wife. I don't feel so bad. I don't feel so bad about me getting yelled at. We are talking with Sal Vizano, again, a major league baseball pitcher, uh, catcher, excuse me, 11 years. Hey, as a, as a catcher, did you like calling call your own game? Oh, of course. I mean, that's a, that's part of the fun when you get to, you know, sit down by yourself in front of the video room and just create a game plan for your starting pitcher. And then, you know, to talk to him and see what his game plan was. And then you guys get on the same page and then you get together with the pitching coach. We basically, every game plan was done, you know, kind of individually at first and then combined together to say, okay, these are the best options that we have. I think, you know, it was a lot of work when I was younger and then you get a little older and it becomes a lot easier, a lot easier. But, uh, that's awesome. You know, that was fun times. Yeah, it's uh, controlling the game was one of the reasons why I like catching so much. If you know, I liked I like putting the fingers down, making the pitcher do whatever I thought was right, and well, we won more than we lost, so I think it was okay. That is all right. We are talking again to Sal Vizano. We're going to get to a break out a short segment uh, coming up, but I'm going to ask Sal the best pitcher he ever uh, ever faced, and. The biggest hit or biggest game he's ever been in, one of just the best memory that he has from playing baseball. And again, we want to thank Keith Lockhart. He was uh, Kansas City Royal that uh, really helped uh, help Sal in his walk. And, and when you talk about a strong testimony, Sal has that. And, and some of these guys and that he played with the Royals, we got to thank because um, if it wasn't for those guys, not quite sure where Sal would be. And, and he's walking worthy as we speak. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone, an inside look at people in sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Accurate Basement Repair. Here's host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered me. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Mike McGivern with my special guest, Sal Fasano, has been with us the entire hour. He is uh, He's a good man. And uh, I love the stories about uh, some of the teams that he played for. Um, Sal, if, if uh, 
if you could think back, who's uh, who's the best pitcher that you either caught or you hit against in your in your uh, in your mind? You know, I I get asked that a lot, and I always have trouble with it. So I kind of say I can tell you the best pitches that I saw. Okay. So, you know, I was able to catch at the time Troy Percival had a hundred mile an hour fastball. It was probably one of the first ones I've ever saw. Kevin Apier had the best slider that I ever ever saw. Roy Holiday had the best sinker. Um, Cole Hamels had an unbelievable changeup. You know, Mario, it's everybody had something really, really special. You know, um, if I had one game to win, yes, if I had one, it would have been probably Roy Holiday. He was probably the, one of the best competitors with some of the best stuff that I'd ever seen. Um, and he just, he had that will. He was tenacious. He was a stud. I mean, he did, he did everything any hard. He worked hard. Um, you know, it's too bad we lost him this year, but he we was did. really, yeah, he, uh, unfortunately he passed away. His plane went in the Gulf of Mexico and, and it, I don't know if they ever found him or not, but I know he's passed. So, boy, we watch, but, uh, I watched the, the, uh, the YouTube video, of the guys that were in the boat, um, that were that were speeding over there to try to 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 help him or to to see if they could assist and yeah that, that was really tough that was uh, that was sad and a lot of people thought very highly of him as as a man and as a as a baseball player. Hey, when when Percival threw that you know up over a hundred, did that that sound different when it hit your mitt? Oh yeah, you can hear you could hear the seams coming. I mean, you can you can hear it. It's uh, and it. It feels like catching a brick. <laughs> it really does. You know? And there, I mean, there was definitely some good ones I played against. I mean, it took me like probably 10 years to get a hit off of Randy Johnson. And I don't know if I ever got one off of uh, David Wells. You know, I'm playing against Roger Clemens and Pedro. Those guys were unbelievable. Like, people always say, what did you hit? Well, I hit 235. Well, I never missed those guys. The aces, you know, the starting catcher always takes that day off. Right. Yeah. So Thank you very much. <laughs> Hey, do you remember uh, uh, first hit, first home run, something like that? I know Milwaukee. You got was that your first hit that you had here in Milwaukee? Yep, first hit, Ricky Bonus. Um, and my first home run was Jason Grimsley. It was in Anaheim, and it was funny. The next year, I played with both of them in AAA, and I said, "Hey, man, I'm sorry I got those <laughs> hits off you. You'd still be in the big leagues." Yeah. <laughs> you look at what you caused. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Hey, I thank you so much for your time. You know, Tom Royce said uh, great things about you, and and, and Sal, I I, uh, I agree. Um, good luck in Atlanta. I hope you guys uh, have a great year, and you enjoy you enjoy your experience as uh, uh, on the staff with the Atlanta Braves. Uh, certainly, they uh, that's a, a quality organization, and and I'm sure you'll enjoy your year with those guys. Well, I hope so, Mike, and I really appreciate it. And if you know Tom Roy, you must be a really good man, too. So I really appreciate my time, and thank you for having me on. You bet. Uh, we will be in touch maybe throughout the year. We'll uh, we'll reach out and, and uh, talk a little bit more. I've got only got about uh, two hours' worth of questions that I did not get to. So <laughs> he is Sal Fizzano, again, former Major League Baseball player. He's a catcher for a number of teams, now with the Atlanta Braves uh uh, organization with the big club as uh, their their catcher's uh, coach. And, again, thank you very much. Have a great 2018, Sal. No, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. You too. Thank you. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM.
the fan. You've been listening to Faith in the Zone with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner. You can hear Faith in the Zone every Sunday at 8 a.m. To find past shows, exclusive podcasts, or to contribute with an inside tip for a guest, simply go to faithinthezone.com. Faith in the Zone is an inside look at people of sports and their walk in faith. Join us again next Sunday for Faith in the Zone, right here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Was it really amazing grace? We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.